0: Alrighty, we are live. Happy Monday evening. For those of you in my time zone, for the rest of you, happy day, or night, or whatever. Praise God. I hope you all had a good weekend. I had a fantastic one myself. And uh, Twitter was particularly enjoyable, delectable, in fact, for us patriarchal chaps, as it was a Mother's Day weekend. So we were subjected to much, much egalitarianism. Uh, that being said, I, I thought that that's what I would kind of hit on tonight is have some fun on on finding tribal lines, uh, defining tribal lines. Actually, uh, I bought this book, um, "A Culture Resurgence" by Mark Driscoll uh, a couple months back, thinking it would be a a dissing. Uh, a a a dismantling of tribalism, you know, because I just, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, He said here, um, a word to the tribes, tribal history, cycle of tribal movements, and a word to tribal chiefs. And I was like, oh, he's probably gonna, you know, I think I'm so used to clown world at this point where I'm like, just being disappointed by, by Christian leaders. I was like, he's going to dismantle tribalism and tell us how it's all wrong and bad and whatever. But reading through it, it's like, okay, <laughs> and he's basically making a defence of uh, tribalism, good, you know, uh, making distinctions between friends and foe in a cultural war, uh, and in a resurgence of cultural uh, revival or dominion, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, wow, Mark Driscoll, you still got it. Um, so it was really good just to take uh, to take some things from this book uh, for for ourselves. He goes through um, the the five dividing lines of Christian tribalism. So he's still, you know, I I think it's been a great distinction for us of, of making a distinction between priest and King, you know, where I think Mark Driscoll writes from the frame of the only way to have a tribe is, is through the machinery of the church. Uh, The church is the machinery for tribalism uh, in modern day uh, Christian life for the reason being that monocultural, Uh, nationalism is a taboo amongst good boy, uh, nice guy Christians, you know, so if you can't identify, uh, by ethnos or by language or by, uh, regionalism, whatever you want to, you know, whatever dividing line there was in the past, you know, well, that's, that's not Christian, that's taboo. And so the next, the next in out uh, can be, can be church, right? So we start having all these theological dividing lines to to figure out our tribes uh, for want of tribal belonging. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting. You know, even in my own life, I was I was saved into a very Pentecostal charismatic-y type church, um, and you know, I'm I'm not big on theological. I'm the ADIQ Greg poster uh, on that whole bell curve. You know, so when all the the galaxy brains. Are talking about Calvinism and Arminianism. I'm just like switch off. Like I couldn't care less. Um, however, reading through these these four dividing lines, these four tribal uh, lines that that Driscoll points out, I'm like, wait a minute! Like this is great. It's a it's a it's a tool uh, for why I've been feeling the things I feel. And and when I go to certain churches, like why I just don't fit in, or like you go to certain churches, like oh these are my people, you know, or you're online and and you know, certain guys, you're like, man, I really dig this guy, but I, I know there's some differences that we're holding space for. Why, why are we holding space for those differences and still getting along? Whereas people I've gotten along with my whole life, I'm now all of a sudden not gelling with, I'm not holding space for anymore. And so it becomes really clear for us, this thing of navigating the four, uh, lines of tribalism. Um, so, he points out, and we'll just we'll just talk through them. So he, he says obviously number one Calvinism and Arminianism. Okay, he, he points out first of all, what is a salvation issue versus what is a tribal issue. And I, I feel like that is just that is just a phenomenal uh, I think we were hitting on it in the last couple of weeks as well of what is what is something, you know, purity spiraling, right? This is where we get purity spiraling, of when we start just freaking out over. Theological purity, and there's certain things that are are salvation issues. You know, uh, the 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 deity of Christ, the inerrancy of Scripture. Uh, you know, again, this is for all the galaxy brain guys to to spur out over of like, well, technically, brother, uh, salvation. You know, it's just like there's there's very much yes, I get it. Like, I get it that there are, you know. Right now, for instance, like with, with welcome to my 50 million new Mormon followers since I, I tweeted old J. Reuben Clark, goodness, the Mormons were coming in hot. Let me give you a Twitter growth strategy. Say something nice about the Mormon, about the Dez Bola, and they'll repay you with likes, let me tell you. They don't disappoint. So welcome to my Mormon brothers. And I think this is what, what has made a huge change for me Is I have no, I have no, and maybe this is revealing my Arminianism, (laughs) if you will. Uh, I have no desire uh, to convert Mormons or to convert uh, uh, Catholics or to, to, you know, for me, I'm like, these dudes are based, they're doing their own thing. If God, if God puts it on their heart to, to change a theological position or whatever, like that's something I'm not an evangelist. I'm not going to go out of my way to go and, uh, uh, start discussing theological issues when they are absolutely crushing the cultural game. And, and so this is where we come to the next, the next issue is are so the first issue is, are you Calvinist or Arminian? The next issue, which becomes very fascinating to me is, are you uh, patriarchal slash complementarianist or are you egalitarian slash feminist? And I'm like, yes, like, this is the big dividing line in my, in my new born again, again, life of repenting of Christian nice guyism, uh, and reading all the, you know, beginning to read the red pill and masculinity and, uh, sexual market value and, and, and coming into all of this manosphere, uh, stuff over the last, you know, I don't know, five years, really six years. Um, it's this slow it's this slow conversion from from soft egalitarianism, you know, where I was like, Oh yeah, you know, women are we must we must serve women, we must love women and worship women and, and women are are just as capable as men and and all this you know feminist light uh worldview. And I've been I've been introduced to this whole new world of patriarchalism, of of gender roles. Of God ordained authorities, of God ordained roles, of um, sexual dynamics, of of uh, authority and confidence and responsibility, and it's like this whole new world that we've been lied to and kept from, or condemned and shamed out of. And I'm like, I really like this world. And so, and so we come into this place where, like, now you're you're out on Twitter looking for people who are, who are willing to talk on this issue, who are willing to give you community on this issue of patriarchalism, of, of complementarianism. I prefer the term patriarchalism, because uh, this encompasses nationalism, it encompasses uh natalism, big families, it encompasses um, a a a front to globalism, an affront uh, to the metrosexual urban lifestyle, um, because it's it's all about this You know, what is the father role? What is the husband role? And looking back at the patriarchs of the Bible, you know, this uh, of like, are they really the heroes of our faith? Abraham, David, um, Isaac and Jacob, uh, Solomon, you know, you look at uh, all these, these Old Testament patriarchs and you're like, wait a minute, like, this is pretty interesting. You know, wealth, land, power. Um, There's a, a huge draw to, to this side of things. So this becomes now for me, it becomes a heavy tribal issue. So it's not a salvation issue. You know, do I believe feminists are going to go to heaven? Like, sure. You know, if you, it says anyone, uh, who, who calls on the name of Jesus Christ, who believes in in Jesus Christ, who, who, uh, you know, through, through faith in the grace of Jesus Christ, sure. You're going to heaven, but here on earth, there's no way in hell I'm going to live with you. There's no way in hell I'm going to be in your tribe or I'm going to let you in my tribe. This becomes a tribal issue. So it's not a salvation issue. It's a tribal issue, right? And so patriarchalism becomes one of the big, big tribal issues for us. And it becomes a tribal line. It starts becoming like, who are the guys that we start aligning with, right? And this is the great draw to the Amish. This is the great draw uh, to the Mormon brothers who are absolutely crushing out in the desert, the Dezbollah, I would gladly be a, uh, a, a guest, a second-class citizen uh, amongst the Dezbollah, uh, you know, than be a first-class citizen in this clown world. You know, that's the, 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 the lines, you know, the Afrikaners, the agrarian conservative Afrikaners are a very patriarchal society. And it's like, yeah, I like that. I like that. And that is a aligning tribal value. So that's really cool. Understanding this, you know, so now you can go to your church, you can you can understand your um, your groups that you're part of. Are they patriarchal or are they feminist? You know, it's a very easy dividing line, and you're not going to have a good time if there is strong clash on this value. So the next dividing line um, that was that was really interesting, um, and this is this is something that you know. Again, I grew up Pentecostal charismatic and so for me uh so this is the dividing line that he talks about driscoll talks about is continuationism or cessationism of is the holy spirit still active today are miracles and signs and wonders still active today and that used to be a huge part of my christian identity you know and again is it a salvation issue no but now here's the 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 fascinating thing for me as i've i've you know really gone into this whole thing of tribal belonging it's also not a tribal issue. You know, whether I believe that the, that the Holy spirit continues or, or ceases, it doesn't affect the tribe because this is something that, that is very personal. It's something that is very, you know, for instance, healing. If I don't believe in healing, I just die earlier. Like it doesn't affect anyone else. And if I do believe in healing, well then praise God, brother, like God healed you. Wow. That's clearly mi- miraculous. Praise God. You know, that's it. It's not a, it's not a salvation issue and it's also not a tribal issue, right? But unfortunately my Christian nice guyism, uh, char- charismaticalism, Pentecostalism, whatever you want to call it, was the chief value of all the tribes we were ever in, you know? So you think Bethel, you think Hillsong, you think, uh, you know, all these kind of really charismatic movements like that was like, wow, like there's healings there. There's the presence of the Lord in holy, in in worship. And it's like, that was the thing that was put on a pedestal above all else in these tribes. And so this is where the sneaky egalitarianism came into things. And so I'm just at this point now where it's like cessationism or continuationism is not a key. It's not a tribal dividing matter. It's not something to purity spiral over. So I thought that was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, like I could happily, I think that's why I'm so, I'm friends with so many Baptist guys. I'm, I'm friends with so many Presbyterian guys. I'm for guys. And it's like, yep. Pentecostal guys are like, woo, let's set this house on, on the Holy Spirit. Fire. And it's like, yeah, cool, bro. Like good for you. Either way. Good for you. It's not a tribal dividing thing. It's not a salvation issue. So now this leads to the fourth thing is fundamentalism versus mission. missional missionalism. Right. And I always considered myself a very missionary type guy, you know, like I want to reach the culture, blah, blah, blah. But, but when Driscoll explains missionary missionalism versus fundamentalism, I was like, my eyes were opened. I was like, whoa. So the missional, uh, thing is to look like the culture, do anything you can to get people saved. Right. And look like the culture, be like the culture, make them comfortable, Uh, seeker sensitive, and look like the culture. Whereas fundamentalism, avoid the culture, reject the culture, build your own culture. And I'm like, wait a minute, like this is where I'm at, right? Dominion, right? We don't look like the world. You know, this whole thing that I think like a huge thing for me of like, man, like so many Christians are so concerned about getting people saved, getting people saved. And it's like, well, you might as well shoot them in the head once you get them saved, because they're just like they're, pagan neighbor. They're just as sick. They're just as poor. They're just as enslaved. They're just as degenerate. They're just as despairing. There's no change. But but I'm saved, brother. And it's like, that's missionalism, right? Just get people saved at all costs. Don't care about discipleship. Don't care about uh, dominion. Fundamentalism is build dominion, right? Build your own homeschooling is a huge thing of the fundamentalists. Uh, You know, cutting out The, the, the popular culture from, from your property, from your gates is a huge thing of fundamentalism. And so now understanding this, I'm like, yeah, like these are the two pillars, uh, patriarchalism and fundamentalism, you know, these are the two pillars for me. I'm like, this is the tribe, the tribal lines, uh, that we are connecting on. And so it's just such a great, uh, tool of clarity of navigating culture and navigating tribal lines and and figuring out like why don't i like hanging out with these guys why don't i like uh what's coming from these guys and it's like they're probably egalitarian and they're probably missional and and I'm like I'm so clarified now on on my values when it comes to 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 these two issues patriarchal fundamentalism of we've got we've got like how we operate men and women in groups you know on our hierarchy and then fundamentalism of like we are the ones who take dominion. The popular culture doesn't take dominion over us. And it's like, wow, the Amish, <laughs> the, the Mormons, wow, like you guys are patriarchal fundamentalists, right? And <clears throat> come on, Wi Fi, do your thing. And then we'll. One of the big things, uh, for me is, is how do you deal with people who have different tribal lines? You see, we don't want to be purity spiraling gamins who are like, Oh, I hate you. You guys are terrible. Like, uh, you know, just resenting people and resenting leaders. You know, that whole thing I said a while back of, of respecting domain, you know, of, of David and Saul, David didn't kill Saul. He didn't, uh, usurp Saul's throne. He left and he went and did his own thing and he trusted God to bring him into honor and bring him into his domain. And likewise with churches, you know, there's so many things where it's like, oh, you know, they get this one thing right, but this thing they don't. And, you know, so there's either a split or usurping and secret kinging and all this and criticizing and pulling down and and maneuvering and politics. And it's like, dude, just leave. Like, if you don't fit into this tribe, go find your tribe. Like it's, my wife and I were chatting about long, long engagements and long dating. And we were just saying how like, When a guy dates a girl for like three or four years, the girl's another. She's taken off the market, so another guy who would be willing uh, to marry her has no access to her, and so it's in her best interests to break up with a guy that doesn't fit, i.e., does not want to get married to them. It's the same way with tribe, with church, with groups. Right? You want to find out as quickly as possible what are their tribal alignments. What? How do you align? in this tribe it's like i don't really fit there are a bunch of feminists i don't know why it's like because they're a bunch of feminists (laughs) stop trying to gain honor in their hierarchy you know the only way to gain honor in their hierarchy is to do what they value and so it's like you're not going to do it chap without being very abrasive or frictional or uh factional of splitting factions and all the stuff it's like leave like go Don't be a girl waiting on a guy to marry you for three years when you could have been out finding other guys who would have been very willing to marry. you. Don't be sitting in a church with such crazy different values that are just grinding on you every week. Like go find the guys who you fit with, go find the guys who you're like, yes. And yes, we can, we can hold space on the things that are not tribal dividers, you know, that are not tribal lines. But what are your, like for some guys, You know, maybe cessationism or, uh, continuationalism is your huge thing. Well then now, you know, you know, maybe Calvinism and Arminianism is your huge thing. Well then now, you know, and it becomes easy to now vet, does this tribe suit me? Do I fit in here? Do I want to build honor at the things that they're building honor at? And so for us, like what we're building honor at is patriarchalism and fundamentalism. Like, can we operate together as men? In an honor hierarchy, in an honor society, you know, can we take authority and responsibility for the things that God has put on our hearts? You know, are we unashamed of who God has made us? Unashamed of the people and the place that he's put on, you know, unashamed nationalists, unashamed localists. We love our people. We love it. We respect other people. We respect other places, but you don't come to our place and disrespect us. You don't come to our place uh, and and try and uh, trash our people and trash our place and exploit us. Like we kick out parasites, you know, that's patriarchalism. And then fundamentalism is dominion, right? We don't just get saved and then put a bullet in our head, or we don't just get saved and then stay sick and poor and, and enslaved and uh, just as degenerate and even worse off than our pagan neighbors. We get saved to be conformed to the image of Christ. You know, Jesus is the King of Kings. We are the Kings that he is King of. We are, we are saved into Kingship fundamentalism of like, What does it look like to be a Christian? We should be a peculiar people, different from the culture. And we should be going hard at institutional power. You know, the negative institutions that we have, all we have to do is do them. Get married, have children, uh, build your economy, buy assets and land, um, you know, get to know your neighbors, be armed. You know, these are all things that are all within our control. And then positive institutions where we have to fight over, you know, either capture or copy them you know schools government positions um banks media houses you know all of these things that are are power projecting institutions you know it's like okay we're going to go hard after these because we're fundamentalists we we believe in dominion you know we're not just oh just waiting on jesus to come back brother just waiting for the rapture it's like no 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 we're not victims we're kings on earth we're kings who the king of kings is king of and so we're here to reign on earth through uh, the means that God has, has given for us, which is wealth, land, and power. You know, we want to copy Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We want to copy David and Solomon. You know, it's like, that's the template set out for us. Let's copy and do the same thing. All right, so that was my little rant on on, on that um, I thought like a great way again of, of just saying that I was like, man, if you're not fitting into a tribe, it's like figure out why. What are the dividing lines? You know, and can I live with that? Can I hold space for that? Or is it a thing of like, I bless you guys, but I can't live with you. I can't do life with you. Uh, I need to go find people who will commit uh, to having me on board. You know, it, that's, it's that whole thing, guys. Your gift makes room for you. You are somewhere right now. A group of great men is praying for a man just like you to go and do great things with them. You know, every, every group of men who are going after great things are praying for great men to come and join them and give their gifts. And it's like, life is too short to sit with your gift buried or your gift thrown before swine, your gift disrespected. You know, we want, we want to be contributing the gift that God has given us to give so that we're not lazy and wicked servants. All right. Praise God. So. The other thing I just wanted to to touch on uh, was there was a bunch, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, there was a bunch of um, news houses, media houses, whatever you want to call them, putting out things this weekend of uh, no more beef future and like, uh, you know, eat the the insects, eat the bugs and, uh, you know, beef is bad and all this stuff and it's like, it's hilarious, like looking at all the comments because all the comments are like, F you and I'm eating my meat and screw you guys and all this stuff, you know, and, and they're getting outrage from all of our guys, which is great. Like let rip, that's fine. There's there's no no problem there. But, but to see what's going on, like to actually understand what's going on for the average guy, myself included back in the past before I, someone wisened me up to this, I would look at newspapers and I'd be like, how can they be saying this? Those fools! Like, I can't believe they're saying no more cows. How, you know? And then write my responses and try and inform them so that the journalist who wrote this article could be better informed, so that he can understand. It's like, chaps, you're not seeing what's going on here, Scott. Don't be an idiot. What's going on is these are not news reporting houses. These are not truth telling organizations. These are not journalistic integrity. These are frame setting organizations. These are vision giving organizations, right? It's it's set a frame, make a demand, make an offer, make an opinion, make a comment that is, that is beyond where you want to go. And then you can backtrack backwards, right? So make an extreme demand, make an extreme opinion. Make an extreme commentary, right? So to say, in twenty years' time, they'll be we'll all be eating bugs and we'll love it. That's an extreme, right? No one in their right mind believes this. Not even the guys writing it. They're like, "Oh, it's pretty gross." Uh, you know, they might be drinking their Soylent, but but no one in their right mind is like, "Oh, we love the bugs." All right. But you have this fringe extreme, the 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 extreme vision costing narrative setting frame setting media house Who has an agenda and they're thinking ahead, right? So they're like, what do we want to do? We want to take testosterone through the floor. We want to make everyone asexual slash bisexual slash whatever the a Androgynous is the word I'm looking for How do we do that pump soy? take out meat, take out eggs, take out nutrition from the soils, just pump corn, pump corn syrup. Um, And so what they do is they, they cost a vision, right? And this is what a lot of people don't understand of, of the power of the spoken word, the power of prophecy, the power of blessing of a fatherly blessing, the power of the pulpit to preach, Right. When you cast a vision, it's because it hasn't happened yet, right? So if you say, you know, here, here's just a simple one. Uh, you are going to become a millionaire. God loves you. He blesses you. Everything you touch turns to gold. You're just a blessed man, right? So I'm casting a vision and I'm, I'm making a declaration, an extreme declaration over you, right? And if you go, that's not true. That's a prosperity gospel. This is rubbish. Uh, we've got to work hard. And it's like, okay, so now you're, what you're doing now is you're, uh, it's the five stages um, of acceptance, right? You're, you're uh, man, I can't even think of them right now, but it's like uh, anger, grief, uh, bargaining, or oh, denial. Denial. So you're denying. You're like, no, this, no, no, no. no. And then anger, F you, this is crazy. And then grief, right? Sadness. You're like, <laughs> and then bargaining, right? So you start bargaining. of like, okay, fine. I'm not going to be a millionaire, but maybe just like a hundred grand, like maybe just well off, like maybe just a nice house, a, a car that doesn't break down. Maybe just like, you know, I'm not, I don't, my wife doesn't have to shop at Goodwill anymore. Like, okay. Like a little bit of it, like just a little bit of blessing, like a little bit of prosperity, right? So now we're bargaining. And then finally acceptance. Like I accept that the Lord wants to bless me. I accept that I'm his son whom he loves. I accept that I'm supposed to follow and do the works that Abraham did. And so those are the five stages of being vision cast, of being frame set, right? And so the news does this to us, right? They're like, no more beef, you little bigots. And so we're like, denial. This will never happen. We love our beef too much. And then anger, right? Like f you. And then grief because we see they they pump it through their 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 NGOs and their corporate their corporatist connections. Like oh, now there's a Impossible Burger. Now there's Soylent. Now there's three restaurants in New York that you don't even care about or even knew existed that are no longer serving meat. And so now we're like grief, like oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. And then bargaining, right? We're like, well. I'll just eat a little bit of meat. I'll just have one burger a week and then boom acceptance, right? Acceptance of the frame acceptance that we have to eat soil into acceptance. And so what, so then it's like, okay, Scott, I see this. I see that this is what the population is going through. Okay. The perfect, because, because meat is the one that we're in right now. Uh, Homosexuality, right? They cost the vision. They cost the vision, right? They put a gay guy in your favorite sitcom. They put a gay guy, a sportsman comes out as gay and he's like, but he was so mad. So it's like denial. Like, he's not gay. He's he's not gay. And then anger, like, screw the fags. And then um, uh, grief, like, <coughs> we shared a shower in seventh grade. And then like bargaining, like, well, it's not that bad if they're gay. It's not that bad if two dudes marry. It's not that bad if a drag queen reads to my child and shows off his And then acceptance, right? And now we've accepted it. As a a whole mainstream society, right? We've accepted global homo. We've accepted it like, and now almost to the point of of celebration, right? So that was a successful frame set. That was a successful vision cast. And then we went through the five stages and, and are now living in a frame that just 10 years ago, that just 20 years ago was impossible, was like preposterous. Like that'll never happen. See, so how do we fight back with frame, right? How do we? Well, then, Scott, what do we do? We push back with our own frame, you know. So when they start saying things like, "Uh, you know, albatiqua, the El-Betiqui slippery," it's just a slippery slope, guys. And it's like, well, here's a page out of the Quran. We're all converting to the religion of peace. We're all Muslim now. We go to the top of a tall building now. Like that's the the pushback. And it's like, but Scott, that's extreme. And it's like, yeah, it's extreme. Deny, deny, deny. And now you're making them deny that we would become religion of peace. And then you're making them angry that we would quote the Quran. And then you're making them sad that we're these unbudging bigoted, uh, uh, Wahhabis. And then you're making them negotiate, right? Okay. Okay, fine. Like, Let's meet in the middle. It's like, yeah, the middle is stay where we are. Nothing changes. And then they all accept it because we said no to the the societal wide shit test, right? The societal wide vision cost, the societal wide frame game, right? You've got to push back with an extreme thing. So for me, it's like this whole thing of vaccines, right? It's like, oh, you've all got to go get your shots. You've all got to go get. It's like, no, no, no. There's going to be a Nuremberg for all of the pharmaceutical type people. You know, like you've got to be be that extreme. You've got to push it back that much. And it's like, oh, and make them go through the five stages. And then when we get back to negotiating, it's like, okay, nothing changes. Because we, we've, we've met at mutual ground, which is no change. Or maybe we even win and, and actually gain some ground on the, on the Overton window. Rob, modern capitalism is based replacing the genuine with the garish facsimile. Replacing life with TV, sex with porn, food with processed junk fellowship with facebook etc cetera, etc cetera. exactly that bro counterfeit you know i loved computer games it's counterfeit land wealth and power and so you know again these things are not sins they're just a symptom of a lack of masculinity a lack of drive a lack of actual power in the real world and so yeah you, you hit it on the head there bro so so with these journalists, another thing we need to, to realize. So number one, they're setting frame. But number two, tribal lines. We have to understand tribal lines. They are not us. They are not our newspapers. They are not our guys. They're not our journalists. You know, if a, if a Nigerian uh, news agency was saying, no more beef for Nigeria, we'd be like, poor buggers. Like, poor Nigerians, am I right? It's like, we wouldn't care, right? But if a Nigerian newspaper started saying, no more beef for white boys in particularly Indiana, I'd be like, hey, hey, whoa. And so so what we then realize is, wait, you're attacking me? <laughs> well, Nigeria is going to, this is it for Nigeria. and And we push back hard because we can understand the distinction of us, not us, right? And not us are trying to change us. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. that doesn't, no ways. You're blocked, brother. You're blocked from all my platforms. You're blocked from ever coming to my house. You're blocked from it. Like you are not us. But the problem with all these news agencies is we think they're ours. We think they're us. We think the Washington Post is us. We think CNN is us. We think the, the, the court system is us. The police are us. We think We think the politicians are us, like they are not us. They are not our tribe. They are, they are not for us. They are not here to help us. And so we've got to stop giving them access to the in-group. We've got to stop, you know, the Amish are crushing and they're going to be eating 42 pound ribeyes 400 years from now, because the media, like they don't listen to the media. They don't get their food from Kroger. They don't go to fancy New York vegetarian restaurants. They don't care what the senator said. Like they are just crushing, you know? And it's like that's it for us chaps of like we have to understand on Twitter when all these journalists are 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 setting frame, setting frame, setting frame. And we start denying and outraging and grieving. It's like whoa. whoa, whoa. Not my journalists. Not my people. Like not my frame and push back with a reciprocal frame of like my group is going to come over there and lay down some law on your group. And, and, and even to the point of like, you know, there's this crazy, like, well, you know, if we just write to these journals and if we just anger and outrage at them enough, they'll change. It's like chaps, they're never changing. They're never coming over to our patriarchal fundamentalist tribe. You know, and so the quicker we let go of that, the quicker we stop giving them frame setting ability into our life, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> I see what happened. You bunch of, you know, it, it, it literally is easy as that of like, oh, Nigerian paper, not my people, not my problem, you know, or if, if they're starting to, if the Nigerians are trying to trying to legislate us, it's like, okay, we're going to come back with some pretty reciprocal things because we know who to target. We know who the enemy is. We know who that other tribe is. We know who our guys are. And so here comes the biggest thing with us is is building tribal strength, building tribal bargaining power, right? Right now we're all bargaining as individuals and that's fine as long as individually we all just have a modicum of sense and block, 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 block. Don't shop at their places. Don't send your kids to their prisons. Uh, Don't give them clicks. Don't give them attention right? Don't outrage at their takes. Don't fold at their takes. That's fine. But if we can start collectivizing our institutional power, like the Amish, like the Mormons, like the Jews, like the Mozis, now we can start bargaining. Now we can start making demands. Now we can start setting frame. Now we can start pushing a vision on on them and start making them squirm and making them negotiate. Rob, as the Lord said, let the dead bury the dead. Amen, brother. So I got a bit of a rant there. I got riled up. Um, and then the yeah, the last thing I, I just wanted to to hit on as well, that uh, it was the it was it was my Mormon mutual J. Ruben Clark. He's a he's a good follower if you guys want to hit some based Mormon patriarchalism. But he was just talking about how he was giving advice to young Mormon ladies. And he was saying if you want to be married and haven't been married. He's like one of the biggest things I see is being overweight, and he said something profound, and I'm like, wow, that's a father's heart, you know. And he said, this is not me being a jerk. I have four sisters who all struggled being overweight and had marriage problems, etc. But he said, um, he said, if this, if marriage is your number one priority in life, which it should be as a lady if marriage is your number one priority in life, you will understand that the skinny girls have an easier time getting married than the overweight girls. And you will then do something about that. Quit your job, quit your school, uh, delay going on mission in order to sort this out. Like actually give yourself time and energy to sorting this out. And I was like, man, that is fatherly advice. Like, you know, how many times in our culture, in our pop Christian uh, missional culture looks like the culture. You know, we have all these girls who, instead of telling them that marriage is their highest priority, everyone's like, oh, go be a boss, babe. Go get a degree. Go to school. Go look after you. Treat yourself. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> marriage is your number one God ordained priority on this earth. Like, you should, you, everything should be towards that. And then the girls who are married and who do have children, it's like, well, now being a mother is, is your next highest priority. And same thing. It's like, if your kids are all over the place, if your kids are all like, you know, all being sent to the prison complex and are all eating uh, soy and corn porn and are, you know, in despair and nihilism, and they don't know that God exists, it's the same thing. It's like, would you do, would you quit your job? Would you quit being a boss babe? Would you quit? Uh, school and and all your career aspirations to to be with your children and actually like homeschool them or be a mother to them or like you know it's like wow like what a great fatherly advice so anyway that was great and um i was thinking the same thing though for guys you know what is what is what is the takeaway for us as guys that that same fatherly advice and i think i think for us it's insecurity the equivalent to to girls being overweight and struggling with Marriage is guys being insecure and struggling with mission, right? And I was just like, like, wow, like, isn't that our ethnic or our tribal weakness is insecurity in guys towards mission, right? So for us, our number one priority in life is mission. Like God has put us to be missional. Like what is the burning passion, the burning drive in our life? Uh, For our domain, whichever your domain is, domain of government, domain of media, domain of ministry, domain of economy, to be a king, right? To be an absolute missional king, well, you're going to struggle if you're insecure. Now, what is insecurity, right? It's from a lack of, it's from either having an abusive mother or a a disconnected or absent father. And we, we struggle with this hollow chest, right? We can display outwardly confidence. We can display outwardly acts of aggression and acts of bravery and acts of strength and acts of mastery. But we never quite fill this hole of like, you look at other guys and you're like, God, I wish I could be as confident as him. And meanwhile on the inside, like, and you know, praise God, maybe these guys did have good fathers and did have feminine mothers and did have, um, you know, a a, a solid identity building and release or a launch from their father and God bless him if they did. But majority of the time, these dudes are faking it to make it. You know, most guys are faking their confidence and that's fine. Like that's how you do it. Like you LARP until it becomes true. You fake it till you make it, you know, for a lot of guys. And I think that's where, where the importance of all men's spaces, all male spaces come in of like, you know, being able to, to finally relax, being able to, cause, cause if you're faking it, you have to keep it on. You have to be on at all times. You know, you can't show your wife. You can't show your kids. You can't show the pastor. You can't show your colleagues. You know, I'm just, I'm just Harvey Specter. I'm just a ball buster all day long. You know, and it's like, dude, relax. Like, but that only comes. So insecurity for us is beaten through, uh, through. I don't want to sound new agey and soy, but through literal like acceptance uh, from another brother. Right. So David and Jonathan. Right. Peter, James, and John. This nakedness. This this absolute bare bearing of the soul to another man who does likewise. You know of like there's that famous quote that says uh, bravery is not not being scared. Bravery is being scared. And saddling up anyway. And it's like, wow, you were scared? You know, I think that's our biggest issue with pastors or with with leaders or whatever. It's like they they portray, you know, that fake it till you make it, be confident, be the man, be out there, just like this is the image. And so you're like, man, like I failed once. I had one, I had a thought of cowardice, I had a thought of weakness, I had a thought of incompetency. I'm disqualified. And that's where. I think what we're trying to figure out now as a tribe of men is this place of like, I just want to be around a few guys who we can absolutely just relax with, be naked of all of, all of like, this is who I am. I'm not trying to bluff you. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm some hotshot entrepreneur or hotshot man of God or a high status uh, red pill pickup boss. You know, instead of a boss, babe, you're a, a boss boy. I'm a boss boy. Um and it's like, no, 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 chaps, relax. Like we want to relax. And and I think that's where insecurity is beaten, right? Is yes, confidence. Yes, fake it till you make it. Yes, step out and do risky things. Be, you know, uh bravery is done through action. You know, you can be scared, but if you do, then it's bravery. Yes, that's all well and good. But there's a rest, right? And this is the whole sonship and kingship thing. Our first nakedness is with Jesus, right? Of, I'm not trying to impress God. I'm not trying to earn my salvation through my good efforts. And, oh God, like I failed again. And it's like, no, 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 just relax. God loves me. Jesus has cleansed me. You know, it's it's this thing of everyone's like, oh, like, I have to keep I have to keep up appearances for God it's like God God sees you in secret and the the quicker that you understand that God sees you in secret and doesn't reject you that God sees you in secret and still loves you that God sees you in secret and is pleased with you it's like oh, like my first relaxation is around God right because I think we can all feel it right you can feel it with guys who're like dude relax you don't you don't have to lie to kick it you don't have to put up appearances for us to like you relax. And when you relax, boom, like magic happens. Like we, we, we have this, that's the brotherhood, right? That's the all male space. Cause the moment a woman comes into the space, whoop, all the appearances back up, Whoop, all the insecure, whoop, tuck it all away, boys, put it all back. And we all are now, you know? And so I think that's just the importance of, of getting into a space with, with, with other guys that, you know, you can relax, relax with, get the, um, get that, uh, that, that feeling of incompetence or that feeling of like, I'm not as good as this guy. And it's like, that comes through an intimacy of, of sharing, sharing your fears even, you know, not in a negative victimy whiny way or like a gay broke back mountain way, but it's like, literally like, Hey dude, I'm thinking of doing this petrified. I'm going to fail. What do you think? It's like, really? You, you, you're worried about failing? Like Dude, you're a machine, and if you fail, we'll go, we'll try something else. It's like, oh, okay, cool. You're not going to reject me if I fail? No. It's like, did you have a dad who abused you? Did you have a dad who is distant? It's like, yeah, I did. My dad never told me I did a good job, or my dad never came to my sports games. It's like, okay, makes sense. (laughs) You know, and we need to hold space for each other like that, right? Because so many of us, it's like, either our dad was this overbearing asshole who was like, demanded perfection, and he never let down his his guard around you. And so it's like, my dad's perfect. I have to do everything perfect. And then you run away or you hate him or you try everything and you still are disappointed and resentful. Or your father is, is vacant and absent or disconnected and he doesn't care. He's apathetic. And so it's like, then it's like, it becomes the opposite of like, I'm going to try everything I can to appear to be the perfect boy so that he will finally say, well done, finally say he loves me you know and so these are the two these are the two identities we're dealing with as western white boys of of this father wound that we're carrying with us so so to go back to that right fat girls the equivalent of fat girls whose main priority is marriage is insecure guys whose main priority is mission right so i just want to encourage you guys This whole thing of, of insecurity comes from a thing of like, God, do you see me? And Matthew 6, 6 chaps, God sees you in secret and he rewards you openly. He rewards me. He doesn't punish me. That's our next thing, right? Punishment, right? We think God wants to punish us. We think God is just disgusted by us. He's offended by our mistakes and our sins and our dirt and our crap. it's like, God says, he's like, if you father's being evil, can give your children good gifts how much more the father in heaven right god is a good fa- so like so like think about you right now if you were a father or if you are a father how much you love your kids and how much they mess up and m- make mistakes and dirt and trash and blah 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 it's like you still love your kid it's how much more does god love you we have to settle that in our hearts because now we can relax right we want our kids you know god willing when when i have children I want them to relax around me, right? I want them to be honest with me, right? It's like you want the phone call, dad, I crashed the car. It's like, all right, boy, where are you? I'll come help. Like that's the relationship you want, right? But instead it's like, crap, I crashed the car. I can't tell my dad, try to fix it on my own, blah, blah, blah. You know, and those are all the stories of nightmares of, of like kids trying to sort out their own problems away from their dad who actually loves them and wants to protect, wants to provide, wants to promote. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's something we can all hit on for ourselves. It's like, okay, there are insecurities that are a result of my upbringing, a result of my journey, a result of the cultural condemnation, the cultural uh, hatred, the cultural resentment towards me. It's like, but I'm not a victim. You know, I'm not a victim. God sees me. God is is my promoter, protector, provider. He's a good father. He wants to bless me. Read Deuteronomy 28, right? The blessings of righteousness. Christ has fulfilled righteousness. He is our righteousness. So we are blessed, right? Abraham, we are the children of Abraham. Abraham was the one who was just crazy blessed by the Lord, right? And Jesus says to these religious chaps who are doing everything right, he says to them, chaps, if you were the heirs of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. Meaning they were trying so hard to be good boys. Trying so hard to be righteous. And they were, they were, they were so religious that they missed that God loved them, that they missed that God wanted to bless them. That because it's like, God cannot possibly bless me. I will bless myself. You know, it's like that's how r- crazy religious they were. And it's like, we can be the same way. You know, religious or rebellious, right? Religious of like, no, God, you're not gonna help me, I'll do it myself. And rebellious of like, God will never help me. Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's like the older brother and the prodigal son, you know? So anyway, I love you boys. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow at four o'clock. We'll carry on chatting uh, probably a a bit more about frame and, and, uh, and mission and domain. I feel it's a, it's been a good, a good gold mine for us to dig, but uh, appreciate you guys. And I hope you have a wonderful evening and uh, remember God sees you. You don't have to lie to kick it. Bless you boys.